Blog Talk Radio. Hi, I'm author and publisher Tracy L. Slatten. It's my belief that the most interesting, creative, and original voices today are heard outside of the big corporations, studios, and galleries. Individuals of courage, inspiration, and vision are seizing the opportunities to create and promote their art themselves. I'm here to support them and to bring their stories to you. On this show, I'll interview independent artists of all kinds, unusual thinkers, and even some healers about their process. How do they do it? How do they start with an idea and bring it to life in the world? This show intends to illuminate the journey. Feel free to call in to 516-453-6052 with questions or live chat with me at blogtalkradio.com slash independent artists thinkers. Great to have you with us. Happy New Year. Welcome to Independent Artists and Thinkers in 2017. This is Tracy L. Slatten, and I'm so happy to welcome you to the show. We've got a great show lined up for you today. I also want to say I'm really happy that so many people are listening to the show live and in the archives and in the iTunes podcast channel. I hope you're enjoying the interviews because I certainly am. So thanks for tuning in. I, I have this as paragraph written about how I created the show to support brave souls who are operating outside the structures of this big established corporations. But I think a friend of mine hit the nail on the head when she said, oh, you just like talking to really cool people. And so that's true. I really do enjoy that part. So um, keep checking the Facebook page or the website, independentartistthinkers.com or the blog talk radio page to see who will be on the show. Next week, I think we have on Thursday at 1 p.m., we have Lauren Lawrence, who's a dream columnist. How cool is that? Um, And something I want to put out there because I have been thinking about it for a few months, and that is every spiritual act is an act of defiance in a materialistic world. So that's our thought for the day. Please do call in with questions or comments to 516-453-6052. You can also live chat me at blogtalkradio.com slash independent artist thinkers, and the chat room is open. I also want to let you know about some author events that I'll be doing. I will be presenting at the Hamilton Grange Library on January 28th at 3 p.m., and I will also be doing an author presentation at the Riverside Library on February 11th at 2 p.m., I'll be a guest on Mommy Interrupted on Sunday, January 29th at 8 p.m., and that's WLINY Radio. And I'll be a guest on the Librarian Authors on the Air Global Radio Network with host Tabitha Pope on Thursday, February 16th at 9 p.m. So it would be wonderful to see you at one of the libraries, and I hope you tune into the radio shows. I also want to let you know that Independent Artists and Thinkers podcasts are available Um, on Blueberry and on Stitcher, as well as on the iTunes podcast channel. So there are lots of ways to listen. And I am so delighted and honored and happy today to have two guests. Um, And the first one is one of my favorite people lately, and that's TJ Scott. 
T.J. Scott is best known for his award-winning directing prowess of the hottest TV series on the air, from Stephen King's The Mist, Gotham, Bates Motel, Dark Matter, Queen of the South, Damien, Orphan Black, Bitten, Twelve Monkeys, The Strain, Spartacus, Longmire, Motive, Black Sails to Hemlock Grove, and Constantine, to name a few. Scott is also a produced writer of feature films, including Tracers with Taylor Lautner, The Secret Lives of Road Crews, and Vivaldi, which have been purchased by DreamWorks and are now paramount. The Vivaldi show is fantastic. I hope we have time to ask him about it. Recently, T.J. Scott and his business partner, Dennis Illich, launched Cinematic Pictures Group, a media conglomerate with a production company, book publishing division, art gallery, and record label. So we're starting with T.J. T.J., hello and welcome to the show. Hi, Tracy. Thanks a lot for having me here. Thank you so much for coming on. You And I'm looking forward to the second half when recording artist Rochelle Royale, whose record you're producing, will be on. Um, but we're starting with you, and you're doing a lot of really creative and fascinating work, so there's a lot to talk about. But I have a usual opening question for my guests because it situates listeners into who you are and what you're about. And so it's a long question, so do with the question what you would like. Don't, you know, just do whatever you want. Take it and run with it. Begin your journey, and what has it taken for you to arrive at the place where you are currently? What training did you have? When did you know you were going to be involved with photography and filmmaking and record making and all these different things? Were photography and music and films and books a major presence in your home when you were growing up? What did you think you would be? So start with your childhood and lead up to now. Tracy, that was six questions. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, DJ, yes. Uh, I, I, uh, I grew up in a household that was uh, full of art and music and theater um, and books. So the fact that I ended up uh, dabbling in all of those things is not that unusual. Um, I the first thing I did was started out as an actor when I was very young, like eight or nine years old, and that really uh, isn't exactly what I wanted to do, but it allowed me to see all the things that I did want to do, which was direct and do photography and do cinematography. So it was uh, a, a, a place to view the world that I wanted to be in, and it really allowed me to get a good grasp on what I wanted to do in my life. Um, but it's taken me, you know, it's a long journey and, uh, I became a director, uh, and then was able to expand into writing and photography kind of fit in there. And, uh, music was always just a passion of mine, though I'm not musical. And, uh, at one point I realized that to produce music and to own a little record label, you don't actually have to be a musician. You need to be able to hire and work with and so that's kind of led me to what I'm doing right now that is it, an interesting did I answer, answer with you six questions there <laughs> you did TJ and I'm going to go back and just you know pry a little bit more and that is was there a moment was there a moment when you said oh this is it I've got to direct or I've got to I mean I I think of you as a photographer sometimes you know in my own head first because your eye is so keen um, so was there just a moment when you said, this is it? Well, my mother gave me my first camera when I was four years old. She wanted to be a photographer and grew up in an age when women weren't really encouraged to be photographers. In fact, there were very few of them at the time. 
so she kind of took one of the traditional jobs of the of the day and, and was a nurse, but always had a camera in her hand. And I think in some ways, uh, by giving me a camera at four years old, she kind of led my hand towards it. Um, and, and then when I was on set growing up as a kid, I never went to my trailer. I would just watch what directors did and what the directors of photography did and what the lighting people did uh, and realize that that was really my passion, that acting was really interesting, but uh, I would rather have directed the actors than to be the actor. Uh, also, a, a weird little thing, I'm, I'm extremely dyslexic, so memorizing lines was very difficult for me as an actor and uh, was a fearful thing, but anything to do with images, I have almost a photographic memory for. So wow. I guess when my brain doesn't work in one place, it works well in another. <laughs> yeah. So did you get training to be a director? Well, you know, growing up on film sets was the best training anyone could ever have. I worked with different directors and different cinematographers, you know, every week in and out. I, I did eventually go to film school, uh, and I got a, a honors BFA in film. But in a weird way, you know, I never put it on my resume ever, and I don't really mm-hmm. talk about it uh, because I, I kind of feel like the one thing that film school did was it made me actually make products. Uh, you know, as school does, it forces you to deliver something, which was a good thing, but I think that was the most that I got out of film school. Uh, while I was in film school, I was already directing uh, pretty big television series and movies while I was there. It's kind of odd. So you had a real apprenticeship in terms of learning as you do and learning from other people. Yeah, really. You know, I, I followed around other directors and just watched uh, what they what they actually did. And, uh, you know, it is an apprentice type of business if you're in film. Uh, and photography has always been a, an apprentice business, too. I, I, I didn't so much have someone that I trained under in photography, but uh, that was just more a lot of clicking of the camera. Uh, I was telling a, a photographer that I'm working with now that works for our company, Lola Mish, that in uh, I had one camera and I checked the actuations on it uh, a year and a quarter into having it and I shot over a million photos on that camera. So oh my gosh, snapping. <laughs> practice, practice, practice. When and, who- and the funny thing was when I was young, of course we had to shoot on film, and uh, I grew up with not a lot of money when we were young. So uh, my birthday present, my Christmas present, and my Easter present would be a roll of 12 or 24 photos that would be developed. And as soon as I shot those, I would just run around with an empty camera and practice snapping frames with an empty camera so that when I actually had film, I knew what I wanted to shoot, and I'd already practiced the shots for weeks on end. Oh, that's cool. So even as a little little kid, you really had to think about what your shot was going to be. Yeah, and the composition, because, you know, back in the day when you had 24 photos to take, you wanted to make sure that you got, you know, at least 12 interesting ones, so you'd snap two of each shot, and so you practice that framing up ahead of time. Uh, You know, my poor siblings used to sit there and be photographed all the time with no film in the camera. Uh, But I made sure that they posed perfectly, even though there was no film, so that, you know, when it was time for them to actually shoot, they knew what I wanted. Oh, that's cool. 
So who are some of your influences as a photographer and as a director? Well, as a director, um, I really like Cameron's work. Um, I just love that, you know, he really went a bold direction. Uh, so that was probably my main American influence. Uh, and Luc Vasson and Francois Truffaut were kind of my European influences. Um, even though I was a director myself when, you know, they were in their heyday, uh, I still studied them, you know, every day. Um, I'm one of those people that can watch, and Ridley Scott, I, I would watch Ridley Scott movies over and over and over. I would finish up and just mm-hmm. put it on re- and watch it again. Um, so uh, it's pretty much the classic, you know, film training, but given by myself, to myself, by by watching movies over and over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I can, How did you I, I come to start Blade Runner thirty times? You know, forty times. I've probably seen Blade Runner thirty or forty times. And, oh, uh, Blade Alien Runner! Times. That's an awesome. That's a Blade Runner is just an awesome, awesome. You know, it, it, I'm a writer, and words fail me when I think about Blade Runner. That's a beautiful, incredibly awesome film. It never gets old for a second. It never gets old. All right, I could turn that on t- tonight. I could watch it again tomorrow, and I could watch it the following day. Yeah. So here's a question. How did you come to start a media conglomerate and you know, with a record label and a book publishing division and um, an art gallery? How did you come? You know, what was your inspiration, and how, why were you thinking about doing this? It's sort of fascinating, and it's great that we can do that kind of thing, but what inspired you? I, you know, I think everybody has dreams in their head of what they'd like to do, and uh, I was one of those people that's a bit of a dreamer. I, I had a really, really good best friend, and we actually shared a birthday. I was uh, six hours older than him, and he was a composer who had uh, worked on some of my films. Uh, his name was Ennio DiBerardo. And Ennio uh, was diabetic and took some pills for his diabetes that killed his liver. And at one point he was like on the list for a donor liver. And then all of a sudden they said, you're too late. And we were coming up to our, uh, our birthdays and he said, I'm not going to make the next one. So it's up to you. And he says, the only thing I can say to you is do the things that you want to do. He passed away a couple of years ago and he didn't make it to that birthday party that we shared together. And uh, it, it took me a couple of years, and then I, I got to a point where financially and um, mentally I was ready to launch all these projects, so I launched them all at once. Uh, I just went, you know what, um, I'm at an age where if all else fails, I can still go back and make money. And so, how do you have the energy to do all of these businesses? Um, don't sleep a lot. <laughs> I I, I sleep probably about four hours a day, so I can, uh, you know, and I don't have kids, uh, so I can put in two full work days uh, every day, and that's what I try and do. And to me, it's, to me, there's nothing more stressful than relaxing, so uh, the fact that I just keep working all the time is uh, what I love to do. It, It keeps me alive. That's cool. Do you want to talk about your book, In the Tub, which I would like to tell my listeners can be found on Amazon.com? Absolutely. In the Tub was uh, a project that I kind of, when my mother was passing away from breast cancer, uh, I wanted to do something for cancer. And 
she she contracted breast cancer when she was about 50, and they gave her six months to live, and she made it through another 30 years. So wow. we, we always call them bonus years, but um, we definitely um, wanted to do something with photography for breast cancer to raise some money. So I came up with this idea of shooting my celebrity friends in a bathtub, and I went to my mother and said, you know, does this, I don't know, I had this idea, and she said, you know what, that's a perfect idea. For one thing, that's where a lot of women find out that they have breast cancer when they do their breast examinations. And for another thing, she said, look, if you're going to do something, make it something that's going to sell. You want to raise money. Don't make it sad. Make it, you know what, we're going to go and we're going to beat cancer. Uh, So make it, you know, sensual and make it sell. And so that's what I did. I created this book, and uh, it, it sells quite well. And the idea is it's portraits of actors, recording artists, models, all using a bathtub as a common setting, and then all the profits go to breast cancer research. And uh, that's cool. I've it's probably shot almost everybody I know in a bathtub. So, <laughs> that's herself, cool. It's a really beautiful book. <laughs> oh, cool. So, what are some of the plans you have, and what's upcoming with Cinematic Pictures Group? Um, we, we've got a big focus right now on the record label side of the company. Uh, and we're working with Rochelle Royale, and she's in the studio now recording an album, but we're uh, dropping a single this Friday called Circus Life, and there's a, a big music video that comes out with that. And then the following week, she has an EP coming out with four versions of a song called Diamond Girl, and there'll be a video for that. And then we're also working with Witten, who's our other artist, and we've just shot wait, wait, uh, a real... TJ, can you talk? We, uh, I had someone um, text me that they can't hear, so maybe put the phone closer to your mouth. Can you hear me better now? Yes. Who's the second artist after Rochelle Royale who's dropping a single this week? Who's the other her artist? Name is, her name is Witten, W-H-I-T-T-O-N. And we've just shot a really cool video for one of her songs. And we've also just recorded, uh, speaking of uh, Blade Runner, she just recorded a song with Edward James Almost, uh, who's in Blade Runner. So that's a really cool coincidence. That is cool. That is cool. So what is Rochelle Royale's song like? Her music uh, is kind of what I would call dark pop. It's uh, top 40, but on the darker edge of it. Um, But very melodic. She's got a fantastic voice, really hook music, the type of stuff that you want to sing along to the radio, so it's the the darker side of it. And, in fact, uh, one of her songs is out right now is called Dark Side. Um, So all of her music has kind of a cool story to it, uh, each one of them. It's not just pop pop. Uh Uh-huh. And what's the when you release the the single this week? It'll be a video too, uh, uh, to go along with it. The song that's uh, being released is called Circus Life, and I can let Rochelle tell you a little bit about the song. But uh, we shot a really cool big video for it that has sort of a 1940s goth type circus vibe to it, and we shot it over two days in Santa Fe, and it's really cinematic pictures production company's first big foray into music videos. So we're, we're very proud of it. And uh, it was one of these songs, when I, when I heard the song, I just wanted to shoot a movie about it. So we shot a, 
uh, a little mini movie and called it a music video. I saw a rough cut. It was fantastic. Oh, thanks. Now, now it's all polished up, and uh, Friday it'll be released. Well, I look forward to seeing it. It was really, really beautiful. Um, and what else is coming up in Cinematic Pictures Group? Um, we're also uh, developing 11 different books that will be uh, cinematic type of art books, coffee table books, uh, that will be hopefully produced and out within the next, we kind of have a two-year plan with that. Uh, and then within our art gallery, we've, uh, oh, we're going to have a changing group of artists that we feature. Rob Pryor, who's one of the top um, graphic novelists, is going to do one of a show for us. And Nancy Berry, who's a fantastic uh, photographer, is going to do a show. And Neville Page, who's probably the top preacher, creator, and concept artist in Hollywood right now. He did three years on Avatar. We're going to display his works in our, our gallery. And the galleries on Hollywood Boulevard, right beside Man Chinese Theater and the Digital Dolby Theater. Um, the the balconies off of our gallery are where they shoot the red carpet for the Academy Awards. Oh, that's cool. So view so people who are listening can just go to the gallery on Hollywood Boulevard and go in and see these amazing artists. Mm-hmm. As of uh, next week. We'll be open six days a week, every day but Monday, from 11 o'clock till 6. Uh, definitely open to the public, so come on by. We're right up the stairs from the Chinese Theater, 6801 cool. Hollywood Boulevard. A few more personal questions, TJ, and then we'll do my commercial for my book and, and turn to Rochelle, and that is, what are your goals for the future? Dominate the world. <laughs> Global no, world I'm, domination. No, no, I, I, I would be happy to just you know pursue along with uh, the artistic pursuits that we have. Uh, the record label, you know, is so new that uh, you know it can take years of development before it's like uh, fully actualized. Uh, we definitely want to do more music videos, and um, the books are a huge interest to me and uh, I can tell the audience, your audience, that I'm actually collaborating with you on this project and that you're very instrumental in us being able to do this book division of the company. Um, well, it's so, it's so exciting to me. I love your vision of these beautiful coffee table books that are, you know, very sensual and really a delight to the senses. So I'm really so excited to be working with you. Yeah, it's an amazing collaboration. I'm, I'm really enjoying it too. Can you summarize some of the more important points of what you've learned along the way? Because here you are, you're a very successful TV director, you've done all these cool shows, you're opening a book publishing company, starting a record label. What are some, you've had this fascinating journey, very, a lot of close friends, close to your mother and your siblings, you know, you, you've had this very rich life on many levels. So what are some of the more important points of what you've learned along the way of this journey? Well, I, I could, you know, not possibly have done this without having an amazing group of friends. Uh, as artists that I work with, but also as a support to what I do. Uh, you know, everybody pitches in. All of our friends pitch in. And the way we've structured the company is that 
everybody works within the different divisions, even though they may be attached to one particular division. So uh, I think what I've learned is to work really closely with, with friends uh, and keep your friends close to yourself. That's, that's nice. What are some of the major challenges you faced in your journey so far? Um, you know, there's always a challenge that people don't think that you can do what you want to do uh, because I have no experience in music doesn't mean that I can't do it. And the challenge is then to convince people that I can. Uh, the you know, the fact that I don't come out of the book industry, people are like, you can't do books. And I'm like, well, I'm doing them. So, uh, you know, I think for a lot of people, just don't take no for an answer. Push forward with your dreams and uh, get a lot of people around you that do know what they're doing uh, so you can fall back on them or use their expertise and brains. So push forward with your dreams. Don't take no for an answer and surround yourself with friends and with people who know about the things you want to do. That sounds like a good formula to success for me. That's just your formula. TJ, you know, in speaking to you, I've spoken to you and had meetings with you. I've been impressed with um, the versatility of your mind. And I, I think I told a couple of my friends that you were a polymath. So my question is, how have you had to think outside the box in order to be successful and in order to come to this point in your life? Well, I think I always think outside the box. Well, I think what I've found in life is that people have different brains and that you have to work within a way a, a brain works. Um, uh, I sometimes explain to people that my brain doesn't work very well if it doesn't have a lot of things bouncing around inside it. It's kind of like a, a car that needs to rev in high gears all the time to be good. If it revs low, it's mm-hmm. not. Um, so, you know, thinking outside the box is, is kind of what I do and approach things. And then I realize that sometimes the box is the right place to be. So I'm not always outside the box. Sometimes the box is fine. But uh, what I kind of tell my employees is, let's put everything on the table that we possibly can and only take it off the table when we're required to. And maybe that's a way of thinking outside the box is that can do everything until we can't. So mm. I guess that's the way I kind of do business. I'll do, do as much as I can until I can't. That's cool. What is, what are some fun facts that people might not know about you? I know you have quite a following um, in social media and a lot of fans, people who love your work. But what are some fun facts that people might not know about you? Oh, jeez. Um, uh, well, I, I don't reveal this very often, but I actually, now that I'm in the music business, I did record an album when I was 13 years old that did quite well. Uh, you did? don't know. <laughs> I did. Um, That's cool. Uh, what was the name of the album? It was a, for a TV series that I was one of the stars of called Kid Stuff. So we we all recorded it together uh, way, way back. Um, I, you know, I don't always reveal right away that I'm dyslexic, but uh, I don't actually know my own phone number, and I don't know the multiplication table. Um, and I actually can't spell very well, even though I'm a writer. So I kind of like uh, auto-spell. Auto um 
Yeah, and computers I, were know, trying to save my life. I, I, I think I told you this. I have it on good authority that Einstein did not know his own phone number, that he had to look it up every single time, that he just saved his brain for what was really important, and the phone number was not it. Oddly enough, I had a business partner who for years said, you actually have a really good memory. You just rem- you just remember the things you want to and not the other things. So maybe it is like that. <laughs> well, you could do worse than be compared to Einstein. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you do in your spare time? You say you work two full days every day. So what do you do? You have spare time? No. I, if I had <laughs> spare time, I would put it into one of these businesses. Or think up another business. I don't want any spare time. Well, that's cool. All right, TJ, we're going to take our commercial break in just a second. I wanted to know if you have any last um, words of advice for our listeners. Uh, I never have words for advice for anyone other than, uh, you know what, just, just chase your dreams. It's what I've done my whole life. Some of them have worked out. Some of them haven't. Uh, you know what? I've made lots of money. I've lost lots of money. Uh, I've been down to zero, and you just build it back up again. And, uh, you know, life's not very fun unless you take chances and, uh, you know, trip and fall sometimes and get back up. Uh, I've been doing that for a long time, but it's fun. That's cool. That's cool. All right, so I'm going to briefly mute you and uh, play my book commercial, and then we'll come back on and also talk to Rochelle Royale. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tracy. When you find an author you love, you read everything they publish. International best-selling author Tracy L. Slatton is one of those writers. Her book Immortal is a rags-to-riches-to-burnt-at-the-stake story of an orphan boy in Renaissance Florence. Broken is the story of a fallen angel in Nazi-occupied Paris and her award-winning romantic paranormal dystopian after-book series. Also, her bittersweet sci-fi romantic comedy, The Love of My Other Life. Read one and you will be hooked. Find all of her books at TracyLSlatton.com. Hi, TJ? Yes. Rochelle? Okay, so I'm going to read Rochelle's. Rochelle, are you there too? Hello, lovely. How are you? Hi, Rochelle. I'm going to read your bio so everyone knows how amazing you are, okay? Yes. Thank you. Rochelle Royale is an L.A.-based recording artist from the Bay Area signed to the record label CP Music. Her first full-length album was produced by legendary rock producer Mutt Lang, along with Swedish super producer Tony Nilsson. Her single, Unscrew You, won the My Music Challenge on 104.3 with Mario Lopez. Last year, Rochelle's pop single, Tap Dat, was featured on the VH1 show, Hit the Floor, and was also played at numerous NBA halftime shows. That's cool. Rochelle is currently in the studio recording songs for her new label with award-winning producers, Jen Scad Enigma, and Sir Charles Wilson Rihanna. She is also collaborating closely with Swedish Uber writer producer Andreas Carlson, who wrote top 40 hit songs for Britney Spears, Backstreet Boys, Celine Dion, Katy Perry, Ricky Martin, Carrie Underwood, Bon Jovi. Earlier this year, Rochelle's new single, Different Now, produced by Massive Music and Music Video, shot and directed by TJ Scott, Dennis Illick, and Bert Kish was showcased as Leica Camera's first music video. Very cool. Creative director, choreographer Jason Young, um, who worked with Madonna, Britney Spears, and J-Lo, is in rehearsals to bring Rochelle's live show to the next level. And she's uh, uh, just an amazing, dynamic performer. 
Her newest music single and music video, Circus Life, will be released worldwide, I think, at the end of this week. Rochelle has also completed writing a song to feature in the Antoine Fuqua-produced television series Ice, starring Donald Sutherland. She will appear in the episode to perform the track, which is being produced by Emmy-winning writer-producer Jacob Bunton, J-Lo and Adler. So, Rochelle, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So, I'm so excited, and um, can you, we'll talk more about your music in a minute, but I'd like you to start off with the same opening question I gave TJ, and it's a big question. It's a you know multi-part question, as TJ you know rightly said to me. And so take it and run with it. And that is, how did you begin your journey, and what has it taken for you to arrive at the place where you are currently? What training did you have, and when did you know you were going to be involved? You know, with singing and dancing and being a recording artist. Were music and dancing a major presence in your home when you were growing up? What did you think you would be? So start early and lead up to now. Well, to answer your question, the second <laughs> I was born, my mother was training me. She was pointing my feet and prepping me for stage. And she owned three dance studios in Silicon Valley, 2,000 students. And uh, her studio was one of the most competitive performing arts centers in the United States for about 10 years. So my life was um, a lot like the show Dance Moms. I don't know if anyone has seen that show. Um, Lots of uh, rhinestones and costumes and always on the microphone and always on stage. The stage was my home. By the time I was three, I think the stage was just a normal place to be. So... (laughs) That was my life growing up. And I think um, the first time I ever sang live in front of an audience, I was about eight. Um, So, yeah, it was just, you know, it was just what I did. I didn't even know anything else existed. (laughs) So you were really born and bred to this in some way. In a way, yeah, it was just my life. It was, that's, that's what we did. You know, it was, it was, you're on an airplane and you're, traveling around doing conventions and competitions and, um, you know, national competitions and stuff like that. And um, it was great being a part of the team and, you know, learning how to speak and um, becoming a professional at a super young age. It was, it was um, a great, a great, I, my roots, I really appreciate the training and I really appreciate what my mom did for all of us Um, because uh, I still remember my 12 year old self even now um when I speak to people you know it's that training you get from a very young age um so yeah so it all began and then yeah and then music just came about like senior year of high school I was working full-time for Radio Disney as a singer and um I I was singing full-time and then went to Nashville um for for a record deal and that was kind of like my first experience in the music industry and then from there, cool. just kept on pushing. Yeah. So who are some of your artistic influences as a singer and dancer? Well, I always tell people growing up in the dance studio, it's so funny because as a kid, you know, you're doing tap and jazz routines to all these oldies songs. And you know all the words, but you have no clue who the artist is. And so, uh-huh. like, growing up, <laughs> I knew, like, every, like, you know, Nina Simone, Aretha Franklin, Anita Baker, um, Stevie Wonder, like, 
you know, it's like you, you, you know these songs by heart because you're dancing to them on stage all the time. Um, and as a singer, you know, blues, soul, R&B, that was probably one of the biggest influences for me. Um, whenever I hear a blues soul song, I always get goosebumps. It's what I'm moved by the most. And then when Britney and Christina came out, you know, Britney was the dancer and Christina was like this insane vocalist. And I think those two really set the spark off for me. And that's when I decided that's what I wanted to do. So you're, you're, you seeing yourself as following in the footsteps of Britney and Christina. I wouldn't quote me on that necessarily. (laughs) Because um, <laughs> that's a dangerous road to walk down. <laughs> um, I think my music right now is a mix of Portishead and Lana Del Rey. And I think, you know, um, my writing is a lot different than um, those two artists. I just think as a child, I think those were the two um, artists that gave me the idea of like, oh, wow, that's what I really want to do. But I wouldn't say that that's um, anywhere near um, a comparison for me as an artist. So in the big picture, do you see yourself fitting into pop more or in blues more? I think pop definitely. The thing about the word pop is that it's extremely general. And when you go on iTunes and you type in pop and you look at like the top 100 songs, you're getting such a huge variety of sounds. So um, that's why, you know, it's it's safer to stick with pop. Um, I don't want to say blues necessarily because that's definitely um, a different lane. It's definitely a different lane. I think Pop Top 40 is um, something that you could definitely hear on the radio. But we have a wide range of artists that are in that category. And how do you see your career evolving, you know, in a perfect world, where would you be in two years and five years and 10 years? thing about the world and the music industry, it's changed so dramatically. Even 10 years ago, it was very, very, very different. So I think these days um, we are the generation that has to figure out how to make it work for the next one. And um, when I say that, I'm talking about streaming and I'm talking about how are artists going to you know, keep their publishing and make their money through music because we're all trying to pay our rent, let's be real. And, yep. um, you know, the way that music is sold now, nobody is really buying an album anymore. You know, it's basically ticket sales, merchandise, and perfume. So <laughs> it's kind of like we are holding the torch right now and figuring out how to um, fix the problem that Napster created, you know, 100 years ago. So um, uh, for me, this year, it's about live shows. This year, it's about getting new music done. And it's about really loving the craft and giving it back to the audience. And, um, you know, this year, I finally get the chance to really get on stage and and do live stuff, which is the goal for this year is shows. Um, but, you know, as a businesswoman, it's, it's, you know, I would love to – be a part of the movement you know we got to figure out how artists can make money again i think that's super you're, you're important. speaking you're speaking to a novelist married to a sculptor yeah i'm all about artists making money <laughs> exactly but, 
But you know, with music, <laughs> I listen. I listen to streaming. I listen to Spotify. I listen to Pandora, or sometimes I go on YouTube. So I have been asking myself, you know, how are the new singers and the new musicians going to pay the bills? Going to pay for their kids' education? You know, going to pay the rent? Right. Is is it just? Yeah. Is it that you get famous on YouTube? You get famous um, on Pandora, and then you know, a million people want to buy, go to your concert and see you live and buy t-shirts. Is that the way it works? The thing is, the thing is, is 16 year olds right now who are going viral, there's a science to it. They're not just randomly going viral. You really have to educate yourself on how to do that. Monetize your music. How does YouTube work? How do you work with YouTube as a business? Because kids are making money. Some kids are making five grand a month just off of posting a video. And it's because they educated themselves on how to do that. And, you know, the thing that we have to get over is that we don't want to um, bow down to social media and surrender to that way of life. But the truth of the matter is, is that's how it is now. And it is possible to still share your art and change lives, but through social media. And it's just a matter of learning the science of how that works and really learning how to get yourself out there the right way. So what have you learned? I have learned that it's good to have a lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) And being a writer is very important. You know, I have friends that I've known since I've moved to L.A., and some of them are like, you know, 26, 27 years old, and they're about to make their first million just because they wrote, you know, six hit songs last year. And it's just unbelievable to see them finally, you know, get what they deserve for all the work that they put in. And um, so for all you singers out there that want to be, you know, the next Selena Gomez, just remember when you're recording someone else's song, you're not the writer. And that's an important thing to know is, when you're writing your own stuff, that's, that's such a huge thumbs up, first of all, as an artist. And then second of all, you know, business-wise, your publishing is so important. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, I, I've learned those things over the years. And um, now that I'm with Cinematic Pictures Group, you know, it's like I have um, such a great team of people. And we are just moving forward so quickly with, um, you know, gathering, gathering new resources and learning, you know, really how to, how to pave a new path, um, you know, to be, to be successful. Well, tell us about the circus life and about the album. Tell us about the music that's coming out soon. Yes. Okay. So circus life was produced by Brandon Sammons and, he is now working with Sublime, and their hashtag is Fresh Goods Music. Um, so Circus Life um, is about, um, we have this young actress named Kennedy Bryce who plays young Rochelle in the music video. And in the beginning of the video, Rob Pryor um, is this jester character who wars her in to the glamorous world of Hollywood, which we, you know, portray as the circus circus world, this underground circus world. And as she enters this world, she realizes how dark it is. And we're kind of like giving this message of like, you know, are you, are you sure you want to step foot into the entertainment industry, into showbiz? Because it's not all it's cracked up to be. Um, but it's also like um, 
it's enticing and so exciting because when you are an artist, it is the circus life. You are in the circus. And, you know, any working actor or working singer or anyone in the business will tell you, I mean, you never know what you're going to get when you're on set or when you start a new project. It's, it's always creative and everyone always has a story to go along with it. And so it really is like being in the circus. Um, so that's what the song is really about is just uh, be careful what you wish for, because we're giving you a warning about what this world is really like. And is it, so you found yourself relating to this song on a very deep level. It sounds like. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think it's good for artists to be honest about their journey and to be honest about the struggles that we face um, in the industry. Um, you know, it's not um, it's not always easy. And I think, um, you know, the artist mentality is <laughs> to just, uh, you know, a lot of artists are just like drowning in their tragedy and sorrow. And then when we're on stage, we come back to life. And so many um, musicians will tell you that, that being on stage is, is the only place that gives them, you know, joy. Um, you know, so even but, though you've, you've been in this dancing world, the world of performing art since you were very little, you know, you started dancing, you know, basically as a tiny little tot, even so it still has this powerful effect on you. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Um, you know, it's just uh, being a performer, you're putting your soul out there on the line. And everyone has the freedom to, to give their opinion and to judge you and to, you know, pick you apart and stuff like that. But at the same time, you're also inspiring people and you're, you're you know, exchanging this powerful energy with people. So that's why I think it's worth it. You know, it's, it really is worth it. Um, it's just like being in another dimension on planet Earth when you are um, – performing and giving back to others like that it's it's a pretty powerful thing so what's the magical moment for you the moment that makes it all worthwhile is it when you're on stage singing and you can see the audience getting it is it the moment what is the magical moment yes stage that's it that's number one it's when you connect with a crowd of people there literally there's nothing like it nothing extremely elevating and so it makes all the rest of it worth it yes absolutely and what have you found to be the best tools to help you on this journey on your you know road to being you know well-known singer dancer entertainer recording artist I think every human being has to make the choice to want to evolve. You know, it's, um, we all have to face the outside elements of life and life is, is, it's a challenge, you know, um, whether you're an artist or not. And I think, um, you know, uh, I, uh, I'm very thankful that, you know, I, I don't drink, (laughs) which helps a lot. And, um, just constantly, um, knowing that I want to enjoy the journey and I want to um, experience um, happiness and I want to improve and become better and better and just, you know, um, understanding why I'm doing it and knowing the value in what I'm doing. And I think that that really helps me continue to move forward. And also um, 
you know, my mother was such a huge influence on me. She was my coach until I was about 17 years old. And um, I lost her in 2009. And I, I really just feel her presence with me. I feel her spirit with me all the time. And um, it's really given me that extra fire. It's given me that extra drive. You know, it really feels like it's in my blood, and I just can't help it. So wow, those are the that keep me going. So you, it sounds like you're talking a lot about mindfulness and also about being connected to something larger than yourself. Absolutely. <laughs> it, wow, you know, it's just very as you said that, a bird flew towards us and is sitting perched right here listening to our conversation. How do you like that? That's cool. Well, I find it very poignant that you talk about enjoying the moment, but also improving all the time, because that, uh, um, as a person, but also as a writer, I find that to be the balance. Like, how do I always improve my craft, but how do I always enjoy the work of writing? Yes. Yeah. You have to enjoy it. You have to try. I mean, it's, 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 it's hard for me. It's it's hard for artists, I think, in general, because, you know, we're always so focused on the things that we have to um, deal with. And it's like, well, yeah, it's, it's frustrating. But you know what? Like, you are so blessed that you get to to be an artist. And we have to remember that. When you come face-to-face with obstacles, have you come face-to-face with obstacles? And if so, how did you rebound? Oh, man. I am writing the narrative of the true, e-true Hollywood story, (laughs) starting with my mother's story and then into the story of what happened with my family and then into my journey because it is so extremely over-the-top intense. And I told TJ I want it to be shot like Sin City and have a Tim Burton vibe because, really, I all of the stories you hear about Hollywood, I I really feel like – uh, you know, a lot of it is true. There are villains out here. It is true. And uh, I think you just, uh, you have to have a sense of self and you have to just, um, you have to remember to stay true to yourself and remember that not everyone is um, going to help you. Not everyone has your best interest. And, um, you know, you, you. I think artists are allowed to have their down days. Artists are allowed to have their their moments and their breakdowns. But um, fighting, and that's it. <laughs> I don't know how. I don't have that answer, but you just have to. <laughs> it's just a pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of ethic. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I asked TJ this question, I'll ask you, can you summarize some of the more important points of what you've learned along the way? All right. So for all the kids out there, get your pencils out. (laughs) Do you guys even have pencils anymore? Like, oh, my God. (laughs) Sure they do. And they can type on their iPhones. I know. Um. The most important thing to educate yourself on the business side, it's not just about your wardrobe and being famous. That is not what this is about, you know. Educate yourself on the business. And what are your intentions? Why are you doing this? And um, 
do you really want this for your life long term? Because um, if you don't love it, don't do it. Please get out now. Just go and get your business degree and be a real estate agent because, you know, it's a, it's a rough life and you have to really, 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 really love it if you're going to do this. Um, so the business, passion, intention, and simply learning, being open-minded and being willing to learn and grow. Having both being willing to learn and grow. Yes. So what's a great song that you wish you had sung? Is there a song, you know, from the last 10 or 20 years that you wish you had sung? Man, there are so many. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, I, let's see. I mean, Christina Aguilera, her album titled Stripped, she had so many amazing songs on there. Obviously, Beautiful was one of her hits. That's such a great song. Firework by Katy Perry. I actually have a cover of that on YouTube. And then, like, anything soul, like, anything Motown. <laughs> so I have to ask you, this may be, and this may be too old of a question for you, Rolling Stones or Beatles? I'm going to say Rolling Stones because my ex was a fan of the Beatles, so... Okay, that's fair enough. Um, that's that's fine. There there are some songs I know longer bands I no longer like because my ex liked them. Okay. Do, do you have to think outside the box on your path? Um, and if so, how do you have to think outside the box? Absolutely, you have to think outside the box. It's like when a group of scientists are in the room trying to figure out how to get the spaceship to work. It's like, you just have to figure it out. Like there are no answers. There is no formula. And it's like, if a crazy weird idea sparks, go with it and build upon that. And, you know, because I mean, even just something as simple as um, like, if you have a show and you're like, what am I going to wear? You can look at every single artist and look at all the stuff that they're wearing and maybe all of it might not make sense for you because that's not what you're envisioning. So just forget all that and focus on what you really want and who are you. And then all of a sudden you've created something that no one else has done. So that seems to be part of the theme of what you were talking about earlier about mindfulness and constantly learning yes absolutely so what are some fun facts that people might not know about you (laughs) let's see um i speak a little bit of french not a lot but a little um i love sushi is that from growing up in canada I actually grew up in Silicon Valley, the Bay Area. Oh, you did? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my mother, I was conceived in Japan. That's a great fun fact. You were, And your mother knew that? Like, she got pregnant with me when she was in Japan, 
she was in a show during a show. My my father flew out there to visit her, and she got pregnant with me. That's cool. <laughs> so I'm part Japanese. No, I'm kidding. I'm not. <laughs> well, there's some kind of spiritual connection, or maybe a soul connection. Yes. Like with life or with my mom? With Japan or with <laughs> oh, right. with your Japan. mom in Japan? Yes. yes. What do you do in your spare time? It's, it sounds like you are a very busy young lady. I love stand-up comedy. I love movies. And I make costumes. And how hard do you push yourself kind of in your work on a day-to-day basis? When an idea starts, I'll start writing down the idea. If it's like a concept or something, or if it's a melody, I'll just record it on my phone. But um, new ideas, when they happen, they happen. Um, It's not a force, like I'm going to write one song every single day. You know, you want something to like inspire you to just, you know, um, have something original. So we have about two minutes left, or about a minute before I have to um, play the show outro. Can you share with listeners where they can find out more about you, where they'll be able to hear your music and so forth? Yes, please um, follow me, everyone, on Instagram and Facebook is Rochelle Royale Music. Twitter is Rochelle Royale, or you can go to the website, RochelleRoyale.com, and also please follow Cinematic Pictures Group. And people can can hear your music and find out more about you and kind of keep up with what your live performing schedule is. Absolutely, yes. We will have uh, Twitter every single day. You can hear my music on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes. We have a few music videos up right now on YouTube. So, yes, the music is all available for you guys to listen to. Circus Life will be out this Friday, Friday the 13th. And Diamond Girl will be released January 18th. That's so great. Rochelle, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much. I had fun. I really appreciate you coming on. And till next time. Yes. Talk to you soon. Bye. So that was Rochelle Royale, whose music is absolutely amazing. And she's an incredibly dynamic dancer and performer live also. So I encourage all my listeners to go to RochelleRoyale.com and to Twitter and Instagram and to follow her there. So thanks for tuning in. Hope to talk to you soon. This has been Tracy L. Slatten on the Independent Artists and Thinkers Network. Thanks for joining us. Come back next week.